Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, the podcast where we analyze our favorite movies through a series of outlandish questions. I'm Brett Tworski. I'm Adam Ottenheimer. This movie, as you just said, is so relatable to us. There are legitimately groups of people, I'm sure, that think of Robert De Niro almost as a comedic actor. This movie, in 2004, she was only 18, but she was an international superstar. Everyone knew who Lindsay Lohan was. Borden is, is Tim Duncan, but then, yes. you know, James Harden is kind of like that Angier. The other one is Mikowski. Oh, that's a hot take! I can't wait to rewatch it and to talk to you about that, that atrocious yet incredible movie for an hour. Welcome back to another episode of Butterless Popcorn. Today we have a very special episode, something we've never done before. Today on the show, we are doing the first ever bracket of assholes. So our dedicated listeners know that on Butterless Popcorn, one of our favorite categories is the biggest asshole, where we talk about the biggest douchebag in whatever movie we're breaking down. Adam, we love the dicks in movies. They're, most of the time, for us, they're our favorite characters. We just can't get enough of them. So we've decided to make a bracket of the 16 films that we've covered in Butterless Popcorn so far. And break down the biggest douche, the douchebags from each of them to decide an ultimate winner out of all of them. Adam, why do we love the douches so much? The douches make the movie, Brett. There's, and you'll see as we go down this list here, asshole is not just one type of person. I mean, we've got probably five or six different categories of assholes here. You know, we've got yeah. the assholes that we kind of still want to hang out with. The assholes that are absolutely terrible human beings, assholes that may or may not think about they have some blood on their hands. Um, it's just a whole wide-ranging group of, of individuals that give the, give the movie a bit of spice, I would say, and keep the listeners, especially us, engaged in the film from start to finish. So, you know, I, I always gravitate towards these guys. I think ever since our first podcast that we did office space we probably spent way too much time talking about Lumberg and all the other assholes that are in that film yeah i mean i feel like since we were younger and we'd watch movies together we just gravitate towards those characters who are just fuckheads you know they're just so obnoxious and and rude and just like it's it's the actors who are really like going for it in those roles <laughs> yeah, too, you know. Right. And we we just love it. It's I don't know. It's infectious to watch. And they're trolls too. And I like yeah. I respect more than anything a really successful good troll. So not someone that's like continuously just annoying, but someone that knows the exact time to push the right button to piss you off. And I really respect that art. And I think. Honestly, for, for most of these, I don't want to say all of them, but most of the assholes that we're about to reveal, they do know exactly when and where to press those buttons, and it's it's so painful for the, for the protagonist. It really is. So just to clarify, um, anyone who's listening who is expecting to hear the names of some of the, the great movie douches like, uh, I don't know, Shooter McGavin or, you know, uh, Sack. From Wedding Crashers, those types, they are not in this um, because we have not recorded episodes on Happy Gilmore or Wedding Crashers, respectively. So it's based off of the 16 films we've done so far and the biggest douchebags 
we've awarded from those movies. Um, and if this is successful, what our plan is, is to, you know, every 16 or so films have another bracket and then eventually have the winner of all of those square off in a, in a massive, even bigger asshole bracket. So this is, this could be the start of something really fresh for butterless popcorn and douchey. I feel like we're going to need to, to rent out some kind of arena or something. Once we get to like the four 16 chunks there, I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be a big time event there, Brett. I'm, Uh, I don't even know if I'm ready for that. I know. I think we're going to need, we're going to need, you know, a combination of, Mike Breen and Tony Romo to, oh, to call it. You know? uh, Tony Romo will tell you who wins before we even start, so I don't know. If he will. And then, every time, and then every time someone wings, Mike Breen will occasionally give a bang. Oh, man. That's a Shooter good bang. Shooter <laughs> Oh, I've, pra- I've practiced my bang many times. Mike Breen is, my, is maybe my favorite commentator. I haven't watched an, an NBA Finals game with you lately since the pandemic started, but I imagine you're just talking right alongside Mike Breen and just imitating what he does as he's going. So, Oh, every time. Yeah, Much I mean, respect. after after I watch a game with him, I actually re-watch the game and pause <laughs> every time he speaks, and then I try to Im- uh, imitate his voice. <laughs> so, I, I somewhat believe that, which is the problem, but... <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't That's be too right. far off. Um, Adam, so explain the rules here that we have for the first ever Butterless Popcorn Bracket Vessels. Yeah, so this is exciting. So as you mentioned, Brett, there's 16 movies that we have done so far, and we've incorporated each of those movies into the bracket here. And so what we did to start it off was Brett and I each took one half of the movies. Uh, so we each took eight movies, and we seeded the biggest asshole from each of those movies one through eight. And so with that, we created a bracket of 16, eight on each side. There's a West region and an East region. And as we go through, uh, we will each complete a side of the bracket, moving on the biggest asshole until we get to the final four. And ultimately, Brett, we need to agree on who is the biggest asshole we have covered thus far. I have the chills after <laughs> after hearing you break that down. I I'm I don't think I've been more excited for any tournament in my life. Yeah, we didn't get March Madness this year. Um, no thanks to the pandemic, but we're still able to get a exhilarating bracket in. Um, we don't have any gambling odds on this one just yet, but maybe when we get to our second bracket, we'll we'll be able to incorporate those. But I am fired up. This is our sweet sixteen, baby. We don't need the NCAA. The, we, all we need is the douches of couple douchebags. Yeah, couple douchebags. We're good to go. Are you ready to dive in, Adam? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So in the West region, Brett, we have our first matchup. This one's for you. We've got the one seed Eddie Martell from the Replacements going up against Jack Barnes of Catch Me If You Can. What do you have? Ah, you know, th- this one's this one's pretty easy. Um, it's it's Eddie Martell definitely wins uh, by by a wide margin. I mean, Jack Barnes is in here. He's a dick, you know. And, and catch me if you can. He steals Frank's mother, Paula, I believe her name is. Um, you know, your mother. She's married to Jack Barnes. <laughs> so I I hate Jack Barnes, but obviously when you know 
when you watch the replacements, Eddie Martell, you want to rip his face off. So Eddie Martell. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Jack Barnes. So, you know, he's definitely a dick. You know, don't get me wrong. He's he's sleeping around even while, you know, Paul is still married. So that that's that's a problem. But other than that, you know, he's kind of following his love. He's following his passion. And yeah. at the end of the day, uh, her current husband wasn't able to provide, and he was kind of a fraud. So you know, yeah, she had a reason to leave him. She, she had, had a, a reason to reason. leave him. Yeah. So I mean, so, you know, as as douchey as Jack Barnes is, I'm I, no no disagreement with you going with Eddie Martell there. It's Eddie. It's absolutely Eddie. So Adam, on the next one, we have the two seven, Bill from the Sandlot, <laughs> played by Dennis Leary, and Robert Angier from the Prestige. Break this one down for a little bit. <laughs> this one, so. Bill, Bill's a hot two seed. You know, Bill's the kind of guy that really ran the table in the regular season, but you weren't sure if the competition was really that tough. He's the Wichita State. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. That's that's just mid-major small conference <laughs> champion right there, Bill. Um, Bill's a dick. You know, he's, uh, he's a dick. He's a, he's Smalls' stepdad, and you know, never really warms up to the kid. You know, on the other side of things, though, Robert Angier, talk about a guy getting his hands dirty. You know, this is a sneaky seven seed here. This is this is like that UConn team. You know, go back a few years. They didn't have a great regular season. They snuck in there, and they went on a run because they were just tough-minded. Yeah. Uh, that That's my Robert Angier is I think he – look, I mean – he somewhat played a part, actually played a very big part in having his nemesis Borden uh, killed. So you have to respect the the hustle from that side. That is really true. Um, you know, Bill is just a douchebag stepdad in the Sandlot, right? And I think we talked about on when we did the Sandlot pod if he purposely threw the ball at Smalls' face. In that in that early season, gotta watch out for the curve. Watch out, gotta watch out for that curve. Um, But Angier is, you know, he's a dick because the whole time in the Prestige, he's plotting to destroy Borden, played by Christian Bale. Uh, You know, it's this two seven matchup. I got an upset here. I'm going with Robert Angier. Wow. Well, you're going Robert Angier. I mean, the, I'm going the Robert whole, Angier over Bill. The whole indirect murder thing is, you know, that'll certainly play into it. But I was, I was not expecting that. I so I, I seeded Bill. Uh, I put him as the two seed because, you know, what I thought was him being a dick had nothing to do with like his purpose. You know, like Angier, that was part of his. Uh, that that was part of his his dream was to become the best magician and illusionist, and so you know he was caught up in that. Bill, for some reason, just hated his son and <laughs> just didn't warm <laughs> up to the guy. <laughs> oh fuck, that is a good point. But but I have I... all right. I have a I have a way to break this down when when we're when we're in a pickle here. Imagine both of these people sitting together at a table, like eating lunch, and they're both just like shitting on each other. 
who's the first one to like break down and like start crying because the other one is just like such a fucking dick. I thought you were gonna say who picks up the check. <laughs> or, or who who says that the other person has to pick up the check? That's pretty hey, funny. Hey, Angier, why don't you why don't you grab this one? No. But um, see, but in this situation, I actually see Bill being like, oh, fuck you do magic? Like that's a little kid shit. Like you're a little you're a little piece of shit, Angier. <laughs> and then Angier like defends himself and it's his passion. And Bill's like, why don't you fucking play baseball instead like a normal guy? <laughs> so I, I'm changing my decision. Oh, you're going, going back Bill. to Bill. Okay, I'm going back going... to Bill. I'm going back to Bill. When I pictured that scenario in my mind of them actually facing off, it's Bill. Okay. Yeah, I, I respect that. I think, you know, Angier, good squad coming in, putting up a fight. Don't get me wrong. Maybe it goes to overtime, but looks like Bill comes away with the win here. Bill comes away. So let's move on. We'll stick with the rest region. We'll we'll keep going with the first round here. We've got the three seed, another Bill. This one is Bill Lumberg from Office Space. And Absolutely. he is squaring up against Dr. Larry Banks from Meet the Parents, a six seed. What do you have here? Um, This is one of those that's also, uh, you know, it's a little more straightforward, kind of like our Martell versus Barnes. Uh, I'm pretty positive it's Bill Lumberg here. Dr. Larry Banks is a douche for sure. I mean, in Meet the Parents, was he played by James Rebhorn, I believe. Yep. Um, you know, in Meet the Parents, he's he's making fun of Greg Fokker for being a nurse. Uh, you know, he's just a, he's just a douche. But Bill Lumberg is just the whole time. You know, he's just a shitty ass boss, and he's just the. When you think of horrible bosses, no pun intended for the actual movie. Um, Bill Lumberg is is the worst. He makes Peter's life a living hell. So I'm going Lumberg. There's something to be said about a, a character whose sole purpose in life is to make someone's someone else's life a living hell, rather than you know a side character that has some snippy comments that that get under <laughs> your skin at times. Exactly. Which Larry Banks exactly. is great at. He is great. He does that a number of times. He blames Fokker. Well, also, he makes fun of him for smoking weed. He, he, oh, yeah, it does. The volleyball scene, he like just rags on Fokker for not playing well. And then when Fokker just destroys a ball and just spikes it right into, I forget her name's face, yeah. Larry then blames him for it too. So there's no way of winning. But it's I like, mean, way to go, Fokker. All <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, I'm with you. It, there's just not enough larry banks animosity in this really to yeah. to put him over the edge here so we're good on lumberg adam this next this four or five matchup in the west i'm going to be honest uh is the one i've been most excited to discuss here in this region uh we have mark zuckerberg in the four seed from the social network and regina george from mean girls in the five uh break this one down for us i think this is you know, when I look at the whole bracket, I agree. I think this is the most debatable matchup of them all. So Zuckerberg, to me, and, you know, he, he really needs no introduction here, but, you know, he did a number of things. He he booted Saverin um, quite a few times. He threw him under the bus. He is, 
you know, tight buddies with Sean Parker, who's also kind of a douche in his own right. I mean, that's an honorable oh, mention here. Hundred percent. So just being associated with him here is pretty bad. Um, but on the other end, Regina George is the closest thing to the devil that we see that in in the sixteen movies that we've talked about. The only person who you could actually see with like red horns on their head and just being the biggest pain in the ass the whole time is Regina George. Yeah, she's evil. She's evil. Yeah, to a T. But she does kind of come around at the end. We do we do see for the first like or for the final what like minute and a half of the movie. Yeah, she's uh she's a lax girl and yeah. uh she she has a new group of friends. Uh you know, this one's this one was really tough for me, but I think the thing that separates it for me is that I don't think Mark Zuckerberg is purposely a douchebag. Like, I don't think he has cruel intentions. I just think he's, you know, you clearly know in the movie, like he's, he's very socially awkward. Uh, he's not great at talking to people, obviously. Um, whereas Regina George knows exactly what she's doing the whole time. And she is so, mean so i'm going with the five over the four here regina george i think that's fair the one thing i will say about zuckerberg is he's not completely innocent here he did make a site that rated girls that is true he also very wrote true. a blog about how small his ex-girlfriend's tits were or something like that you know i mean he was he was sneaky douchebag as well that he is knew, that he knew is what he true. was doing that is true. But think about this. Regina George had the burn book where she did that for the whole school, not that just one person. It's <laughs> true. Coach Carr did what? Yeah. Okay. Um, so are you going George here too? Yeah. I will accept your, your George nomination there. So we've completed the first round round of the West region. And so here's what we have. We had Eddie Martell beating Jack Barnes. He's going to square up against Regina George, who just took down Mark Zuckerberg. That's a juicy matchup. In the lower end of the West region, Bill Lumberg took it very easily from Dr. Larry Banks. And he's going to go on to face uh, what what he thought was maybe Robert Angier, but a last-second overtime winner from Bill. Uh, we got Bill versus Bill, it's, baby. It's the battle of the Bills. It's going to highlight that second <laughs> round right there. Oh my God, that's going to be incredible! We can't I can't wait. wait. For that. Let's we move in. Shall we do the first round in the East bracket now? Let's do that. All right, Adam. First up, we have the one seed, Jack Bradfield, from Rookie of the Year, against a sneaky eight seed, Coleman Reese from The Dark Knight. What are your thoughts here? He may be sneaky, but. I mean, this was the easiest decision I've had to make in a very long time. But Jack Bradfield <laughs> absolutely goes on to the second round. Now, Coleman Reese, yeah, he he's a little asshole. And, you know, he's kind of a pain in the butt for Bruce Wayne. He's a pain in the butt for Lucius Fox. You know, he tries to blackmail uh, the most powerful person in the city, which is not a good mm -hmm. move. You know, it just doesn't compare to all of the shit that Jack Bradfield did. 
So <laughs> I, I, I don't know how much more I need to say. This is a runaway. This is a blowout. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Um, I remember when we did The Dark Knight, I at first wasn't even sure who the biggest douche was. Um, you know, you had the Joker who was just more, you know, conniving rather than just a dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Coleman Reese was that guy. He was just trying to, you know, get his own and blackmail Bruce Wayne, as you said. But Jack Bradfield, ah, ah, <laughs> fucking Jack Bradfield. So yes, yeah, that's, clear winner. That's a fifty clear point winner. win right there. Yep. Yeah. He, yep. That's that's like that's like uh you know, Kentucky, when they that year they like only lost one game. I think when they had Carl Anthony Towns or something going up against I don't know uh, Lehigh or something. Yeah. Or a team even worse than Lehigh, like Illinois State, who just snuck into the tournament. <laughs> so, crank like absolutely demolishing them. Couldn't agree more. So let's let's start. I think it'll get a little bit more difficult moving forward, but. Here we, ho- here we have the two seed, White Goodman, W-H-I-T-E, going up against the seven seed, Mr. Kim from Parasite. What do you, break, break this one down. What are you, what are you thinking here? Sure. So uh, I also think this one is, is pretty, pretty easy. Uh, you know, White Goodman, you watch Dodgeball. There's not a single moment in that movie where White Goodman doesn't show any heart or any 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 decency um whereas in parasite you know we talked about this mr kim i think we agreed was the biggest dick in that movie because um you know he was kind of the the leader of all the conniving ideas there mm-hmm. so but but you still see a softer side and a, and a more human side in mr kim and parasite whereas white goodman he, he's not human so uh, i yeah. thought this was pretty easy yeah i i think so too i you know, Mr. Kim, I thought this was a tougher matchup than the Jack Bradfield Coleman race because, you know, Mr. Kim, he did some pretty bad stuff. You know, he did. Col- Coleman Reese was trying to get his fix. Uh, Mr. Kim was trying to get his fix like 10 times throughout this movie and really tried to just take this family down. And so I think that's why there's a consideration. But like you said, White Goodman, he his this is what we were talking about. His sole purpose was to just ruin the lives of the average Joes. That's yeah. it. I know. He didn't care about anything else. Nothing. Nothing. So, I mean, with that, yeah, I think it's clear cut. Also, White Goodman moving on to the second round. Gotta love it. Gotta, you know he loves tournaments, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't so. underestimate White Goodman here. No, you know he's trying to win this one because he lost the uh, the ADAA tournament in Vegas. So yeah, I I spoke to him comeback. before this bracket. He said he really wants to win this one. <laughs> <laughs> Great pepper. <laughs> so Adam, on the three six side in the East Region, we have Mayor Larry Vaughn from Jaws up against Rex Kramer, your favorite guy from Airplane. What do you think here? I was really excited for this part of the bracket here because <laughs> Larry Vaughn, he's a dick from you know from Jaws. He, he he's got blood on his hands for sure. Rex Kramer, I got a soft spot for sexy Rexy here. You, know? <laughs> you love him. You love sexy Rexy. Rex is our quarterback. Rex is the I love you, baby. But Rex, 
Rex has that thing about him where, you know, he's got those jabs, those like little subtle jabs. For example, doesn't pay one lick of attention to his dog, Shep, just beating the shit out of the guy that comes over at his house. He's not talking up um, Stryker at all. He, he gives him, he has like zero confidence that Stryker's going to land that plane. He completely disregards most of the people in the control tower. He beats the shit out of the people when he walks into the airport, which is my <laughs> favorite. Um, so a lot of like small things, but I think this goes back honestly to one of the matchups that we had in the West region where we had Dr. Larry Banks versus Bill Lumberg, where, you know, a bunch of little things that Rex Kramer did that are very annoying, very disrespectful and very douchey. But Mayor Larry Vaughn essentially leaving his people to potentially die of a deadly shark attack, I think that takes the cake for me. So I'm I'm going with the three seed, the the favorite in this one, Mayor Larry Vaughn. Yes, I I agree with you one hundred percent. Uh we talked about it when we did the Jaws podcast. There are a lot of similarities between Mayor Larry Vaughn and our current president. Uh, that's pretty uncanny. So, yeah, you, you said it perfectly. I don't need to elaborate anymore. Larry Vaughn it is. So our last matchup in the East region first round. And this one, Brett, you put a tough one together here. It's, our four or five matchups have been insane. Yeah, they have. This is, our, our seating was impeccable. But yeah. we have Edward Rooney versus Biff Tannen. What what was your thought process on Rooney four, ten, and five here? Oh man, you know it's so the the four five matchups. Whether it's in the butterless popcorn bracket of assholes, whether it's in the March Madness tournament, whether it's really in anything, the four five matchup is they are both so close in skill. They are both so close in just overall talent and like. Rooney and Tannen, it's hard to to distinguish one over the other as the bigger douche. Um, I, it it really is so so insanely difficult here. You got Rooney, you know, both of these guys, right? Both of these guys in their respective films set out to torment one person or to mm-hmm. ruin the life of one person. So there's a lot of similarities in their actions. You got Rooney who knows Ferris Bueller is is up to no good and wants to take his ass down. Mm-hmm. And then you have Biff Tannen, who just wants to make life hell for George McFly in the beginning and then Marty McFly. You know, what, what is your thought process here, Adam? Yeah, I mean, you said it best. This is this is a really difficult one. They're very close. The what I always kind of go back to, I don't do that lunch date that you were talking about, but I do think about, <laughs> um, I do think about why they're, they're assholes. Why, why do we consider them the biggest douche of the film? And like what drives their behavior where to me, Ed Rooney, it's his job. Now it's not his job to be an asshole. It's not his job to make one kid's life a living hell. But it is, it is his job to enforce attendance, and it is his job to track down anyone that's, you know, quote-unquote, not playing by the rules. 
Biff Tannen, on the other hand, has no job. (laughs) (laughs) His purpose is pretty much unclear. He's just like a meathead asshole who just looking to take advantage of anyone he can. And so because of that, I'm having Biff Tannen going on here. Yeah, I, I agree with you, as you just said. Ro- I think we talked about this when we did the Ferris Bueller pod. Rooney kind of has good intentions here. He's trying to be a decent principal. Like, I don't think, you know, for example, when we see Rooney's interactions with Sloan Peterson, you know, out front of the school, he's 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 nice to her. You know, he's not he's not being a dick. Between grief and nothing. <laughs> I choose I grief. Choose grief. <laughs> I, I, no, I completely agree though yeah i i had a grandmother once two, two actually them, actually <laughs> yeah, it's like comments like that just saves it saves his character it it does so biff the whole time in all three back to the future films really uh there there is no bright spot for biff so good call there so the east region First round is set. I love it. Brett, should we take one quick break before heading into the next round? Let's do it. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Hana Box. Nothing beats the holiday feeling of waking up in the morning and opening boxes and boxes of presents. Don't you wish you could feel that way every day? Well, now you can. Introducing Hana Box, the only box delivery service that will deliver boxes right to your door with a good old-fashioned Old Testament holiday cheer. Simply log on to the Hana Box app, enter your address and desired quantity, wake up a few days later, and boom! Hana Box, the only way to feel the holiday spirit 365 days a year. Presents sold separately. And now, back to the episode. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, today's special edition episode of... The Bracket of Assholes. So let's recap where we're at, Brett. We're now in the Elite Eight. So eight assholes remaining. We've got, in the West region, Eddie Martell against Regina George. We have Bill Lumberg versus Do we even know Bill's Bill last name? Just... In the Sandlot. Do, no, what's, what's his last name? <laughs> Does he even have? I'm going to Google that right now. Do we even think he has a last name? I... Uh, maybe it's, I don't is think it so. I, I don't know because... I mean, is it just... Nope. <laughs> he seems like I, the kind of guy that would not have the IMDb, same last name. On IMDb, it just says song. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that is All so right. good. It's just Bill. Nailed just it. Bill. So it, it's just Bill. Um, so that's the West. And then in the East, uh, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But in the East, we do have Jack Bradfield against Biff Tannen. And we have Mayor Larry Vaughn going against White Goodman. So um, similar makeups. We both have the one, two, three, and five seeds in the Elite Eight for both sides. But let's start with the West here, Brett. We've got our first matchup to get into the final four. It's the one seed, Eddie Martell, against the five seed, just overall bitch, Regina Uh, George. So... Adam, this matchup is so difficult because you have, out of everyone we have left in this Elite Eight, you could argue that these are the two most evil 
people here. Um, this is so difficult. I, I think I'm good. I'm honestly going to need your help here. I mean, Martell and Regina George are just so mean to everybody <laughs> in their path. You have Eddie Martell, who's not only shitting on Shane Falco the whole time, making fun of his truck, his lifestyle, calling him a, a, a never was. Scab. Scab. <laughs> he's also making fun of a deaf guy in the bar. You know, that's he, bad. He's 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 boasting that he has two Super Bowl rings all the time. You know, it's uh, it's brutal. And then you have Regina George. <laughs> that's the way I play. <laughs> Regina yeah. George, who's the meanest girl in school, and it, like that's an understatement for her. She's got the burn book. She manipulates. Um, th- this is really tough to break down. What's your mindset here, Adam? So, again, I kind of go back to like what stage in their life are they at you know like why why are they the way that they are and the reason for me why regina's a five because you know from a pure asshole perspective you could put her higher that like this is a low seed for regina but the reason why i put her at a five is she is just you know she's a high school student everyone goes through those like douchebag phases or whatever and there is a glimpse that she came out of it. Now, Eddie Martell has been out of high school for about 20 years. <laughs> so we think, yeah. So, yeah, so we think. I mean, this guy is a seasoned vet. He he would have gone through this phase already. He's still in this phase. He's still a douche. And, you know, I'll, I'll give both Martell and Regina credit. They, you know, they're in a tough spot in their life. Um, and they do actually drive the competition or the other person to do better, you know, being Falco or Katie, but, you know, Martell, the cherry on top again, you know, he's, he's a douche his whole life, I'm assuming, but also the cherry on top is that he crosses the picket line (laughs) just when Shane's starting to get things going, you know, Shane's really leading this team and Martell's like, fuck it. I'm crossing. I'm going to do this just so this motherfucker can't play. It's to spite him, yeah. and he doesn't even try. He doesn't even care about winning, you know? I mean, that's it's just the way he plays. He, it's just the way he plays, and he ruins everyone around him. You know, it's just, it's it's no good. It's no good. That was a very convincing argument right there. Um, and I, I got I, I to gotta agree with you. Regina George... She might grow out of this. And as you said, we, we kind of see it a glimpse at the end of the film that uh, that maybe she is becoming a little nicer. And Martel is an adult. He's probably been this way since he was 15. A grown-ass man. <laughs> grown-ass man and a huge bully. So, yeah, Eddie Martel. Great, great call there, Adam. I love it. So the next one we have in the West, Eddie Martel in the final four. Let's see who he's scoring off against. It's... The Battle of the Bills. Oh, my God. So we've got Bill Lumberg versus just just Bill. <laughs> Small's a stepdad, Bill. Just Bill. Who do you have? You know, this doesn't look great for my for my history here. Just because I shot I originally shot him down in the beginning against Angier. But I think I'm, I think I'm going <laughs> Bill from, from the Sandlot. I mean... And, and here's why, Adam. You know, Lumberg sucks, but I don't think Lumberg is, 
you know, when you, when you get this far, you got you kind of have to like find the the little things that separates one of these dicks from the other, right? Um, and I know I know we talked about that we kind of prioritize what they, you know, if a character is is just cruel, their cruel intentions over the course of a film over just like, you know, snippy little comments from a from a side character or from one of the characters is not as important and their intentions aren't as as broad. Um, and so if that's the case, we would argue Bill Lumberg here. But Bill Lumberg is an interesting douche because, you know, he's not mean at all. Uh, you know, he is he, it's just like he, he's very passive aggressive. He's probably the most passive aggressive mm-hmm. dick we have here. But Bill from the Sandlot, like you just see it. He hates Scotty. He hates his stepson. Really under the gun he, he here. He really hates his stepson. <laughs> um, you know, and I trust me, I think very passive aggressive dicks are huge assholes. But if you're a shitty parent, I mean that that is just so fucking awful. Uh, so that's that's probably why I'm going Bill from the Sandlot. What do you think? I can't disagree with you. I do want to ask you one question. Yeah. If Bill Lumberg actually was the one that fucked Joanna, <laughs> t- does he take the cake here? Not Alex Lumberg from Georgia or whatever it is. If it's Bill. Yes, I think so. I think so. Because he would purposely go out of his way to, or actually, well, no, because they would, they technically wouldn't have had sex while Joanna and Peter were dating, but, but that, no, that would put him over the top. But, you know, he doesn't actually do anything, Bill Lumberg, that is like, oh, he fucking sucks. It's just that he's the most passive aggressive kind of, you know, snarkier boss. But Bill from the Sandlot is a, dick stepdad like i would be surprised you know if there was like a an uncut r-rated version of the sandlot if bill like you know hit smalls or something at home like oh jeez. yeah like <laughs> oh. you know i mean i mean we saw it with the curve we saw it with the curve yeah we could we, we could see it with the you fist it, yeah, i mean I, it was the it was the the early 60s that takes place in like that was a you know that was a time when kind of an older school way of parenting was more common like i wouldn't have been i wouldn't be surprised if there was an uncut version of the sandlot where it showed some some unfortunate abuse there so bill is bill takes the cake that guy's an asshole that's an unbelievable take (laughs) um i I mean I, i i can't disagree i can't say much more about that um so bill with no last name just bill moves on shockingly after surviving the first round moves on to the final four well where he will square off against eddie martell one one two matchup there yeah all chalk so far we had one one minor upset of regina taking down uh zuckerberg in the first round but other than that pretty straightforward it looks like we're in agreement definitely are so moving on to the east region adam we got the one versus the five jack bradfield from Rookie of the Year versus Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. Break this one down. So Bradfield blew away the first round competition, Coleman Reese. Um, <laughs> what a dick. It was just, just like, yeah, you know, guy is a little dick. But um, 
Yeah, it's funny. Like, I don't... Should Coleman and Reese have been on this bracket? I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> See, but who else in the Dark Knight could have made it? No, no, I, I agree. Like maybe I mean, loud. You had to take But him. like... Uh, yeah, uh, he's good with calculation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but no, so back to this matchup, Bradfield versus Biff Tannen. I'm I'm really struggling with this one. Um, and this was interesting because Biff had a very tough first round against Ed Rooney. But Bradfield, to me, you know, he's not running away with it. And... You know, part of it is he had some help in his douchebaggery with, um, you know, the the general manager of the Cubs, Mr. Fish, at the Mr. Fish. Mr. Fish. You know, they were kind of in cahoots, and you know, but I guess my question is like, was Jack Bradfield that involved with Henry and Mary's life, where it made you know, that much of a difference to them because they were able to move on. And, you know, Ched Stedman was there to kind of pick up the the slack. So I, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't know if there's enough Jack Bradfield asshole to go with it. But at the same time, he, you know, he sells, he basically sells his, his, not even his son. It's just some dude to, uh, to the Yankees. And he's been sold to the Yankees. I don't. I to be honest, Brad. I need your help here. I I don't know how I feel about Bradfield. I know how I feel about Biff Tannen. Yeah, I mean, you make a very valid argument. Um, you know, the, these two guys are douchebags in very different ways. Biff is the typical bully, and Jack Bradfield. You know, he try in the beginning of the film at least. He tries to put on this facade as like a nice guy, right? He's dating Henry's mom. Wants to make a good impression of Henry, and as the f- I believe the seven week wait what is it? Oh, I believe that is it the eight week it's anniversary. The, uh, I think it's the three week anniversary, or is, <laughs> is it the three week? Is the necklace anniversary? The I think the the three week anniversary is the necklace anniversary. <laughs> oh God, Mom, why are you going out with Jack Bradfield? Um, <laughs> you know they're both dicks in, in separate ways here. I mean, my mindset in seeding Jack Bradfield as the number one overall in the East region was because he deceives Henry's mother and Henry like crazy. Like his deception is arguably bigger than all the other candidates we have here. He goes behind their back to try to make some change. And he cons himself as Henry's manager when he was, no one ever said he was Henry's manager. There's that press conference where he's like, I'm Jack Bradfield. I'm Henry's manager. (laughs) He's doing it all for himself. He's riding on the success of this 12 year old kid. You know, he's almost acting like a, you hear these stories of, of child celebrities and how their parents like conned them and just like rode their success to make some money. Like that's kind of what Jack Bradfield is doing here with Henry. So that was my mindset. He's not even, he's not even his parent. Exactly. He's not, and he's not (laughs) not even even his his parent. parent. So that was my mindset going into this where, you know, Biff is the bully, but Jack Bradfield's morals are so deranged. That's, you know what? That's fair. And 
And to be honest, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite because earlier on when we had the Martell versus George matchup, I said Regina was going through, you know, she was going through a phase. She's just a high schooler, and I gave her a pass for that. So I think I'm going to do the same with Biff Tannen. I'm going to give him a pass, although he's also older and a douche if you go to the other movies. Yeah. But I'm going to stick with Back to the Future 1 here. Yes. Um, but I think I think you're spot on. That deception and that power-hungry attitude of Jack Bradfield is going to put him to the next round into the final All four. All right, I think so. And again, when 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 Mary, Henry's mom, kicks the shit out of him, right? And that's like the last moment we see of him in the movie. Does that really change Jack Bradfield? I don't think so. Like, I think he gets up, scrapes off his jeans, off the dirt off his jeans, and looks to deceive the next pretty woman with a with a with a nice son. Like, I just, you know what I mean? Or he's like going to. I could see yep. him like becoming like a, a degenerate in Vegas and trying to like con people in Vegas or something. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> he's such a sleaze ball. You know what I mean? It is funny you bring that up because Biff Tannen actually does become kind of it's that true, degenerate, does. but he has to he has Gray Sports Almanac to help him out. But exactly. but Jack Bradfield, no, he's gonna get a lucky lady to to help him out. So there he goes on to the final four. All right, Adam, we have the last matchup here in the Elite Eight. We have the number two seed White Goodman against the number three seed Mayor Larry Vaughn from Jaws. This one's really tough. What do you think here? Really difficult. So I think I kind of need to talk this one out as I go through because honestly, I'm not sure. If I start with Mayor Larry Vaughn, the three seed, you know, this is this is low for him considering there were plenty of signs and plenty of indicators that there was a great white shark that posed a an enormous threat to the entire city and he did nothing. And he actually ignored it. And he ultimately caused people to die. Now, he was what he thought doing his best job, but he wasn't listening to science. He wasn't listening to what people were telling him. And it ultimately cost, you know, a couple people's lives. It cost a kid's life, too, which is is brutal. On the other side, White Goodman. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean... Where where to begin with with White Goodman? He single handedly attempts to drive average Joes out of business. Now you know that's you could argue that's business being business. You know that's just that's just what you got to do. You got to increase your revenue. You got to make yourself more profitable. You're going to take over a smaller gym that you can afford. I get it. However, the way that he does it is pretty brutal. Then don't even mention the fact that he's hitting on his 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 banker who's helping him facilitate the transaction. Kate, he's he's just going all in. He's being creepy. He's being obnoxious. He's being you know pretty rapey in the process. Uh, that's no good. And then lastly, the one saving grace that the average Joes could have, you know, all of their livelihood, it all comes down to a dodgeball tournament. White Goodman not only enters the dodgeball tournament, but he finagles his way in, not by winning a qualifying round, but, you know, having a relationship with the chancellor, <laughs> William Shatner, for that matter. So that's that's just, just scummy. 
I don't know any any, any other word than scum. Um, so this is just really tough. This is really tough for me. I my gut, and I want to hear your reaction on this. My gut says to go with White Goodman here. Yeah, Adam, I, I have to agree with you here. I, this one's a really tough matchup, but you said it perfectly. White Goodman is just the scum of the earth in dodgeball. And, you know, I don't think if, again, as I said earlier, when it, when it gets to these later rounds, you really have to try to be nitpicky and find little things that make one stand out over the other. You know, I don't think Mayor Vaughn had any joy out of what was happening here. In, in Amityville Island, like he didn't enjoy seeing the town being terrorized. He just wanted to make money and was a selfish prick above all, but I don't think it clearly didn't make him happy when Alex Kittner got eaten. Um, you know, it didn't make him happy to when, when, when they found the bones of, or the remains of the dead girl in the first scene, whereas white Goodman gets joy out of seeing the pain from the folks at average Joe's gym. So, Yes, White Goodman beats Mayor Larry Vaughn. I do find it incredibly interesting if we look at both sides of the bracket that we've we had like two indirect I don't want to call them murderers, but like two people responsible pretty greatly for others' deaths. Uh that would be Robert Angier in the West and Mayor Larry Vaughn in the East, and we both just said there's bigger <laughs> there's bigger dicks than them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. I first I guess we're emph- I guess we're emphasizing the people who are just straight up mean over over like you yep. know their their silly actions result in people dying really Yeah and it's right. it's the intent right. as well right but uh or at least So with, with so no Mayor upsets Vaughn, here so we one, we've two, got a one, final two four. on both sides yeah, maybe chalk This is nuts. So we've got Eddie Martell versus Bill in the West and Jack Bradfield versus oh White Goodman in the East. Oh my God, Goodman should we take a, a quick break before we get back to our final four? This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Todlich Funkeld, Germany's premier sparkling water brand. Sick and tired of traditional sparkling water flavors like lime, lemon, berry, or tangerine? And at the same time, have you always wanted to travel to Germany and eat their most beloved dishes? With Todlink Funkeld, you get the best of both worlds. Order now and you'll receive a three 30-packs of Todlink Funkeld's famous bratwurst, schnitzel, and Konigsberger Klubse flavored sparkling waters. You can order online at tfunkeld.com and use the promo code BUTTERLESS, that's B-U-T-T-E-R-LESS, the name of this podcast, for a discount. Order now for your trip to Germany through a can of sparkling water with Todlink Funkeld. Welcome back to the bracket of assholes of butterless popcorn. We're into the final four, and we'll start with the West. So you said it before. It's the one-two matchup, just how we drew it up. It's Eddie Martell, the one seed, going up against Bill from the Sandlot as the two seed. Brett, who takes the cake and gets into the final championship game? Really tough here. Um you know, these, these matchups just keep getting more and more difficult as it goes on. I know. You know, yeah. this is like a a Virginia versus Michigan State here. I mean, it's just like oh, you, you just don't know, don't who, to know who to pick. It, it, you know, it comes down to the fine. It's, it's, it's 52 to 52 with, with eight seconds left. 
you know, it's, it's that kind of matchup here. Um, you know, I know I painted Bill to be this, this abusive stepdad, basically, in the last round when he went up against Lumberg. But um, I'm picking Eddie Martell here because not only is Eddie Martell just so ruthless and mean and evil when he's out and about, let's be honest here. If Eddie Martell had a kid at home, do you think, like, just, you don't, he doesn't come off as the kind of guy who would be a nice parent. So, like, all those reasons I said that Bill is a dick, I yeah. feel like Martell has those characteristics in him as well. And he's got more. So, and he's, so I'm picking Martell here. What do you think? That's a very good point, is we don't, we don't know for sure, and I think we can reasonably assume that Eddie Martell is Bill at home, and then right. some. So, I'm I'm with you, and you know the fact that again, Martell, it pains him to see anything good come of his you know quote unquote rivals, is what puts him over the edge. Where Bill. I guess his, you know, rival or his his nemesis is kind of like his son. Um, oh, jeez. Which is which is totally shitty, like totally shitty. But once you get past that, you know, Bill, I think does just enough. You know, he he may or may not be abusive. We don't we don't know. We obviously don't uh, we obviously don't condone that behavior. But. You know, if his son went on, and he did, you know, Smalls came, he, he was successful. He he was a uh, big-time commentator for a really prominent MLB organization. I, you know, I think Bill would have been proud. You know, he's a I baseball so guy. Too. I think I he would have been proud. Smalls' relationship with Bill is like at that stage of, of Smalls' life. When he's an adult calling the games, Bill is obviously, you know, older by now. Um, I wonder what that relationship is like, or if even the marriage between Scotty's mom and Bill even worked out. I don't know. I I would have thought that the marriage would have stayed on, and Bill just didn't talk to Smalls for like oh, ten years. But then when Smalls st- starts to like gain momentum as a sportscaster, and Bill's like, "All right, this is kind of awesome," sure. he gets close to him. You know, it's like um. Bobby Boucher's dad oh, who tries to get close to him as he's doing well. Dad, like, Tiger Woods and his daddy. daddy. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think it's that kind of relationship. But in the end, you know, he does kind of come around and apologizes to his son for not, you know, the cat in the yeah. cradle song type of thing. You know, he apologizes for never being there. And so, you know, he's got a little bit of a soft spot where, again, we go back to Eddie Martell. Yeah. A dick in all aspects of yep. his life. So I I completely support that that call well, right Well, Eddie there, Martell, Martell, the one on. seed in the West, is officially in the championship round of the bracket of assholes. Adam, let's move right on to the East here. We have another one-two matchup. Jack Bradfield from Rookie of the Year against White Goodman from Dodgeball. Whew, baby. Uh, break this one down for us. You know, I struggled with both in the elite eight to get to the final four, Jack Bradfield barely squeaked out a win against Biff Tannen and white Goodman barely won against mayor Vaughn to me here. 
and like you said, you know, we get super nitpicky at this point, and and you kind of have to because these guys are just such big douchebags. Um, but to me, you know, Bradfield didn't engage in a relationship with Henry's mom for the sole purpose that Henry was a good baseball player. You know, he he certainly took advantage of the fact when Henry started playing, you know, he, he heard his arm and and started becoming a star. He he definitely took advantage. But he didn't go out of his way and seek out someone who's a great athlete, their mom, to go after it. Now, on the other end, White Goodman sought out, you know, it was premeditated. How can I ruin these guys' life? How can I really just fuck over average Joes? And because of that, because of White Goodman's desire from the start to just ruin everything for everyone, that's why I'm going white here. It's not a it's not a bad take, Adam. What do you it, think? it really isn't. Uh yeah. White Goodman is more of that maniacal evil genius than Jack Bradfield. Uh, you know, we we maybe like to believe that at one point in Jack Bradfield's life that he wasn't this deceiving prick who just wanted to make a quick buck. That maybe he had some decency in his younger days. You know, I mean right. I mean, look, he he opened the car opened door, the car door for Mary. You know, he's he's got he's got <laughs> gentleman like instincts. Um, he yeah. just was clouded by I potential th- money and fame, which is no excuse. He's still, he, right. I mean, he's still in the final four for a reason. Yeah, but you know, he's he's got just enough of that where you're like, okay, yeah, I I, I agree with you here. White Goodman takes down Jack Bradfield in the final four. So now, Adam, the big moment we've been waiting for. We are in the championship round. The number one seed from the West, Eddie Martell from the replacements. Quarterback on strike from the Washington Sentinels. Going up against the number two seed from the Eastern side, White Goodman, played by Ben Stiller in Dodgeball. The maniacal, crazy owner of Global Gym. We have to decide now. And we have to agree with each other. Who is the biggest asshole? Thoughts? Uh, I I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I think this will just help if we just yeah. kind of you know talk through it and and come to some kind of conclusion. You know, I'll bring up the earlier points of Martel, but you know. You brought up the fact that he's probably a douche in his home life just as much as he is in his career. Going out of his way to, you know, Shane Falco is just trying to be the Cinderella, trying to be a, a guy that, you know, rises from the ashes of the of the very dark sugar bowl that he had. And, you know, he's just trying to make, make a name for himself and, and rewrite his legacy. And Martell for some reason just doesn't want that. You know, really for no reason at all. Doesn't want that. Um and that's really tough. But very similarly, White Goodman doesn't want average Joes to survive. You know? I mean, 
it is business. I've I've mentioned that before, but he he's just doing whatever he can to make Peter and everyone else's life a living hell. It's not just one guy. You know, Martel's doing it to Shane. He's targeted Shane. You know, that's a 15-yard <laughs> penalty for targeting. White Goodman. White Goodman's doing it to just everyone that works at Average Joe's Gym. So I I don't know. This is this is a, I, I really this don't is know. such a tough call. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. I just so here's where here's what my brain's telling me right now. White Goodman, he you know both of these guys are bullies at their finest, right? They are both insane bullies. They pick on other people to lift themselves up. White Goodman, based off of what we know about these characters, right? White Goodman at one point in his life was one of the average Joes. You know, he was an, an overweight kid, as he, as he says, like in the beginning of the movie, we see like those early pictures of him. He was super unhappy with himself, and then he turned his life around and became this, this freak gym owner um, who revolves his life around fitness and, and wellness but also putting others down to lift himself up, you know, becomes a huge dick bully. Um, mm-hmm. Eddie Martell, you know, I, I, me trying, we don't know about his background like we do with White Goodman. You know, I, you know, if I'm going to assume, you know, uh, do I think he was a Heisman winner? No. Um, you know, I may, I, I'd probably put him on par with like an Eli Manning where he was never that amazing of like an in-season quarterback, but he just won when the moments mattered. Um, I think, I think he was a really good oh, high school quarterback though. Well, like, of course. I mean, that's, that's why he's the dick. Like I think Eddie Martell became Eddie Martell because he was the fucking man in high school and he just really never grew out of that. And he carried that with him through the rest of his life and especially into his adulthood and being an NFL quarterback and even on the team, a bully, I could totally see him when they play another team, just talking shit to the other team the whole time. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I know you said he targets Shane Falco quite a bit, which is true, but I mean, you know, the scenes when he talks to Jimmy McGinty, fucking dick. When he talks to, yeah, exactly. show the manner when he's talking respect. to 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 Brian again in the bar makes fun of him for being deaf. Uh, you know, this, he sucks too. So I, what my mind is telling me right now is that I, I'm doing that thing again where I picture these guys at lunch. I'm doing I'm doing it again. <laughs> I'm doing it again here. If I'm picturing them at lunch, I think. So White Goodman in Dodgeball, you you know his background, and I think you know that even to like in present day in Dodgeball that he's still a very like insecure person. Clearly, I mean that's what a bully is at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And and I guess you could say right. the same thing about Martell, but I think the difference is the whole time White Goodman is is just trying to 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 compensate for overcompensate for his insecurity by being, you know, the head honcho. Whereas Martel just thinks he's this shit. Does that make sense? He does. And there's a lot of comment I mean she just, she deserves better, Shane. Like 
Yeah, I Come just... Come on, Martel. I, you know? Don't drag her You're sinking you. ship. I just, like... like I think that's the difference <laughs> yeah. maker for me. Whereas, you know, White Goodman, he's so... I, I Obviously, being, you know, one being insecure and one not being insecure doesn't necessarily make one more of a dick than the other person. But, you know, I just, I just feel like Eddie Martel takes the cake here because... He he's standing on top of that mountain, just looking down on everyone, and just he he thinks he is just better than everybody. Like he's always thought he's been better than everybody. Whereas White Goodman has that insecurity in him that he actually thinks pretty low of himself, but he tries to put on this facade that he is better. So I you know, I'm rambling here a little bit, but like, yeah, and, and this sounds kind of convoluted, but I, I think because of that, Eddie Martell takes it that he just has that uber confidence in himself that he thinks he is the shit. He thinks he's the king. He thinks he is just better than everyone else all the time. And so I, I think that's that's ultimately what, what, what takes us here. I So I, I want to add one more thing, and that is the hustle factor. He White has a Goodman lot has of hustle. hustle. He's a hard fucking worker. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, you know? obviously, he, when he knows the head of the, the dodgeball, when he knows the chair of the dodgeball association, like he could sleaze his way in. But like he worked hard for what he got early on. Yeah, he he worked hard. He, you know, he's not trying to like fix the dodgeball tournament. He's trying to win it um, yeah. as well. Whereas, you know, Eddie Martell has no hustle. His drive is solely to not to not see the success of others. And, you know, again, I go back to that point. Martel comes back, doesn't even no. fucking try when he's back in the game. Disrespects Jimmy McGinty, one of the greatest coaches of the game. Just does not care. Doesn't care about any of the souls on that team. White Goodman? I think he still cares about his team. I think he cares about Michelle and some of and the laser. others at and Globo Blazer. <laughs> and even France got about Manatovich. But that hustle factor is to me, I'm I'm in agreement with you. That gives White Goodman a little bit of a pass, and for that reason, Eddie Martel is my ultimate. So asshole. we agree. Eddie Martell, out of we did it we did out it. of the first sixteen films that we have done for Butterless Popcorn. Eddie Martell from the Replacements is the biggest asshole. Sound it sounds right. It just sounds right. It's it looks you know it's one of those things to do a quick gut check when you look at all sixteen of these guys. If you just quickly look at them and say biggest asshole, go. Eddie, yeah. Eddie Martell wins that, right? Like, no logic. You don't have to think about it. You just look at it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's a dick. Yeah. That That's it. I, it's like, oh, you know, I think another reason why he stands out from the rest is because when you look at all these people, um, are the actors synonymous with these characters? You know, I, obviously, a lot of... These, you know, some actors are bigger than others. Some actors, this this could have been their biggest role, but like, uh, I forget the guy's name who plays Eddie Martell. We talked about him. Like, he's been in, he's had a pretty successful career. Like, he was just Thomas Wayne in The Joker. Um, 
but like he's Eddie Martell. Like I will always associate that face with this fucking douchebag. Whereas Ben Stiller, yeah, I, exactly. Ben Stiller, obviously way. Ben Stiller, you know, one of the more famous actors we have on this list. But like, I don't associate Ben Stiller's face with, with a douchebag, even though he's great at playing one. I just, it's Eddie Martell. It's Eddie Martell in the first bracket of assholes from Butterless Popcorn. Eddie Martell, Adam, we did it. We did it. I I can't, I can't believe we did it. I mean it. This is where, you know, I, I kind of had a hunch maybe this is where we would end yeah, up all along, I, had I guess. A too. But, uh, you know, Eddie freaking Martell, biggest asshole through 16 episodes of Butterless Popcorn. This feels good. This feels good to, to know who sets the bar and what, uh, you know, every other asshole from now on is going to be graded against the Eddie Martell scale. And it's it's going to be a tough uh, peak to reach to get to his level, but I'm excited to As see where am we go I, with that. Adam, and I cannot wait till we do our next bracket of assholes in 16 more episodes down the line. Everyone, thanks for listening. Tune in next time to our next episode when we break down more movies and eventually more assholes. 